Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Tim Patrop, here with the only two twins that are fresh off of watching an actual live sporting event. For real. It was glorious. NFL did a good job. NFL did a great job. No hiccups. We saw inside the homes. It was very entertaining. It was. And that, yo, day two... When you're watching like Roger Goodell making all the announcements and all that, and then they just cut to Roger Goodell and he's just lounging in his chair, just he's just giving up. That was amazing. He became more more loungy as it, as the time progressed too. He like at first he was sitting at the edge and then he sat back yeah. and then like by the end he was full like dick in the screen like lounge back. He's like it's ten forty five. This is going on to like past twelve. I'm not standing up this entire time. Yeah, <laughs> and who's gonna tell me not to do this? He also exactly. leaked the Panthers taking a uh, the Dolphins. The Dolphins, I mean, taking an yeah. offensive lineman. Yeah. Don't worry, you'll get your getting protection for Tua. Like, <laughs> well, a lot to go over today. We're gonna be going over our initial rookie review, our rapid rookie review. We're gonna let you know who was picked on the offensive side of the ball for each team. But we're not going to be going in, in depth today. Today is going to be more like an overall overview. On Thursday, we have a very special guest, Jason Moore, the fantasy footballer. Is here to go, he's going to be here to go over our rookie review. So um, that's going to be something where we're going to dive more in depth about these rookies. But today is just our initial reaction, our initial takeaways. Um, and also, Jameis has a new home. And we'll get into all of that in just a second. The Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast begins now. Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. Here lies the workhorse running back. We loved you for fantasy for a long time. But unfortunately, the waves of life have washed ashore on your time here on Earth. Running backs by committees have taken over. We mourn your loss. Amen. <laughs> Fitting if way. Fitting way to a be in the running backs were taken in early rounds on teams that already have running backs last yesterday, and it was a travesty. Every running back taken was going to a team that doesn't need a running back. It was like Crazy. so upsetting in every way. The group chat that uh, my, we had a draft day group chat with a bunch of friends who were big football guys, but then we also have, of course, the separate Brodo group chat. And every time we were, we were like talking like regular football people, and then we would go over to the Brodo football chat, uh, Brodo chat as fantasy guys, and we'd be like, "Yo, what the fuck, man? What the <laughs> hell? The Packers? The Bills? This shit's just what gonna the fuck, man? Make life so much harder. Um, this it's is gonna, gonna it's be... gonna go back to the pre PPR days where touchdowns are king." Yeah, it's going to be hard. It's going to be uh, an interesting year. Um, having a, a early pick where you can draft a guy like Zeke or Alvin Kamara or Saquon Barkley is going to be even more important this year. Even so whoever... Austin Eckler, I think, is going to start jumping up a few spots. Eckler too. might be number five at the moment. Yeah. I mean, Eckler's, Eckler's team drafted a running back, too. So yeah, like, but you, you never know. 
he doesn't he doesn't he's not a pass catching running back either. So you know Eckler's still locked into that role, and it's not like he's just gonna take the early down work from yeah. him. Well, a big um a big reason for Eckler's success or failure this year is going to be the quarterback position. And before we get into who the Chargers drafted at quarterback, let's get into a backup quarterback. Um famous Jameis. Uh, the the infamous 30-touchdown, 30 30-turnover 30 team last year. Uh, he's going to the Saints to back up Drew Brees. Um, personally, I love this move. I think the best fit for him would have been the Steelers because I think that him and Big Ben could really – he could really learn from Big Ben, but there's no one to learn how to control yourself and be accurate behind rather than Drew Brees. I like the fact that he's humbling himself and taking a backup role. And if the Saints are in a position where they need a starter – putting Jameis Winston in is probably the best case scenario. So what's your initial reactions on this? Yeah. What are the odds? They don't like Taysom Hill as their backup quarterback. I saw today someone tweeted and I was like, this is glorious. Jameis Winston has more completions to the saints than Taysom Hill does because of all of his <laughs> interceptions against the saints. It's like, that is great. But yeah, man, I mean, it really polar opposite from Teddy Bridgewater as the backup last season. He goes from yeah. super conservative to super take the top off the ball type of guy. But I like it for the Saints because, man, they've lost in the playoffs in a heartbreaking way three years in a row. They're not playing around. They're like, if Drew Brees goes down, we need a gunslinging quarterback who could at least put the ball into Michael Thomas's hands and throw the ball downfield. So I like it, especially because it's a one-year deal. So maybe Brees does get hurt and Winston plays well and then they sign him longer. Maybe Brees stays healthy the whole year and then they're able to sign Winston for even cheaper or something of that sort. So I like the deal for the Saints. For the Winston, it sucks that he wasn't able to get a starting spot anywhere. I'm surprised he didn't wait a little longer to see if the Patriots or a team don't like that like came knocking. Don't act like he didn't see what Teddy Bridgewater did. Yeah, that's true. Back up Drew Brees and then make 20 mil a year. Yeah, so and get, a, and get a shot. He's looking towards his future with this move as well, even though he's not going to be starting this season. Which, I'm, I'm about that, man. I, I, I think that... You know, one big problem with Jameis is that he uh, he has humble issues, hum- humbility issues. That's definitely not a word. <laughs> definitely not. I mean, but there's um, there's no downplaying the talent that he has. He's a very talented no. guy. He just has to stop throwing interceptions. Talented dude. Uh, he just needs to get his head on straight. And I think there's no no better person to learn how to get your head on straight from than uh, Drew Brees. That's for damn sure. Um, with that being said. Uh, we're gonna get into this draft now, so we're gonna go division by division. We're gonna try. We're gonna try and hit at all thirty-two teams. We're not gonna be able to hit all thirty-two because some teams just didn't draft uh, offensive playmaker. Uh, the Falcons and the Panthers stick out as guys that didn't draft any offensive playmakers at all. Um, so we're not gonna hit on them because we're not a defensive IDP show. So with that being said, you guys want to get into this? Yep. Let's do it. All right, let's start in the AFC East. The uh, the division that's closest to our hearts, as you guys know, we are Jet fans. Um, the Buffalo Bills had some interesting draft picks here. Uh, in the third round, they take running back Zach Moss out of Utah. Interestingly enough, PFF had him as the most elusive back um, in the class, and uh, PFF's RB2. Interesting is that it's kind of like Devin Singletary, how he was really high on PFF's like um, charts, but he wasn't really he didn't really wow at the combine. And you saw that at a Zach Moss as well. So interesting pick there. Um, they also take in round four a wide receiver Gabriel Davis out of UFC. 
uh, Jake Fromm, the quarterback, uh, famously on the Netflix series QB1 and uh, more famously for his almost national championship win with Georgia. He's He goes in round five. And then Isaiah Hodgins out of our Oregon State in round six. Uh, what do you guys? How do you guys feel about these picks? And do you feel like any of them have a chance to make an impact on fantasy in this season? Yeah, I think Zach Moss is a was a strange pick in my eyes because he's he's the same age as Devin Singletary. Uh, they're both twenty two years old. And Zach Moss, sure, he has the college production and he was good according to PFF, but he also had a terrible combine, similar to Devin Singletary. Like Devin Singletary didn't really have a very good combine, uh, but Zach Moss ran a four six five forty, which is bleh. You'd figure if they're going after a running back, they're going after a running back who would complement Devin Singletary rather than just be the same exact guy as Devin Singletary. And just because they hit on Devin Singletary despite, like, he had the college production, he didn't really have the workout and the intangibles, you'd think they wouldn't draft that same exact guy and try to hit again, when honestly it's not really easy to hit on guys like that from the running back position just by basing it off of college production. So I thought that was a strange pick, and I think it's still Devin Singletary's backfield, but Zach Moss is probably just going to mix in there and be a little bit of an annoying guy for fantasy purposes. It is uh, it is something to be said right off the bat that a lot of people, like a wide receiver taken in the fourth round is not like a running back taken in the fourth round. There's a little bit of a difference in value there. Running backs are taken traditionally in the later rounds. Excuse me. Uh, running backs are traditionally taken uh, in the later rounds. Uh, so a round three running back is actually an early pick for a running back as opposed to a round three wide receiver. That's on the tail end of wide receivers, especially in this year's draft where it seems like wide receiver was just for everyone. Everyone just grabbed a wide receiver. Um, Jason, any thoughts on this team's um, pickups? Yeah, not for 2020. Um, they acquired Stephon Diggs. They have John Brown, Cole Beasley. They're going to use Singletary, probably use Moss. They use a third-round pick on him. So I don't think the wide receivers they drafted are going to have much of an impact. And then I find the Jake Fromm pick a little strange just because he's such a different player than Josh Allen. Uh, he's more of a pocket guy. He's not going to run away from pressure. So, like, if Josh Allen goes down, that's a completely different offense now. So I always find those backup uh, picks kind of strange. So I think besides Zach Moss, there's not much to note here. How many uh how many years before Jake Fromm's a starting quarterback for Buffalo? Two. You guys are bugging. Um, I'm not I'm not having another Josh Allen argument with you guys. Um, I, just a real quick, this has nothing to do with anything. But back in the day, I had a franchise with, in Madden, and I was the Buffalo Bills, and I took like a weak armed, accurate quarterback in the fifth round. And I won the Super Bowl with him. So uh, for our sake as Jet fans, let's hope that Jake Fromm is not a is not a repeat of that. That was my favorite season to play because it was like, you know, it's so easy to beat the video game in Madden sometimes. Where it was just, it was like really challenging. <laughs> Crazy that he fell great. to the fifth round, man. I was a Jake Fromm fan, but geez, Louise. I'm a, I'm a big Jake Fromm guy, but he um, pulled off a, he... he pulled off a Cardell Jones. He should have just came out earlier. He ruined his I... stock. I mean, he oh. couldn't come out earlier. He was a sophomore last year. This is his first eligible year. I actually think that oh, he right. should have. Right. I actually think that he should have stayed in another year. He didn't have a great year this year, and I think yeah, that ruined his probably stock. A better route. Yeah, I think he should have stayed in. But you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Uh, the kid has been beating out people for jobs since he's a young tyke, so he's gonna have to do it again. Um, the Miami Dolphins are next. They did take a tackle in Austin Jackson in the first round and some interior offensive linemen, so that might be good for their running game. But in terms of just a 
offensive player, you know, Tua Tagovailoa, the Alabama running back, in the first round, the fifth overall pick, the tank for Tua, uh, quarterback, excuse me, the tank for Tua strategy worked. Um, they also take Malcolm Perry, a quarterback slash wide receiver out of Navy. So uh, Navy is an old school. They run the Veer offense. So that's probably why he's the quarterback train, uh, shifting over to wide receiver. So if he makes an impact, it'll have to be later in his career probably. But with that being said, let's concentrate on Tua. Jason, what kind of impact do you think Tua can have on the Dolphins this year? Honestly, not a great one. Well, like- also, I, 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 I'm sorry, before, I, just not to cut you off. They also acquire Matt Breida for a fifth-round pick. So they didn't draft anyone, but yeah, they, they do did. get Matt Breida. Yeah, just preliminarily talking. First of all, I, I really like the Dolphins pick. I think Brian Flores is doing a great job over there. He knows what he's doing. In today's day and age, you can never have enough cornerbacks. So to add a top cornerback to Xavier Howard and Byron Jones, is that's going to be a scary secondary. But Tua this season, I'm not loving it too much. Look, he's been injured most of his career in college. He was injured most of this season, and now he's coming into a – season that's unorthodox he's not going to have uh team activities right away he's not going to be able to practice with his teammates right away so most of his work is going to be done at home unless things change quickly and for someone who doesn't have a lot of playing time experience even in college uh to just jump into the nfl and play is going to be very tough on him even uh so his long-term outlook might be good but i think this will definitely be a slow start for him yeah, I'm I'm expecting Ryan Fitzpatrick to start, I mean, at least the first half of the season. I mean, two is coming off the bad injury, too, so let's see how long it takes for him to even get back into, like, the game shape. And, like, Joe Burrow, for instance, he's had the Bengals playbook for, like, two months now trying to learn it to get up to speed by the time they're able to go back to work. It's not like Tua has been studying the Dolphins playbook. Like, he probably just got sent a PDF yesterday of pages and pages trying to figure out how to learn the... Dolphins playbook as a brand new just brand new to that system so I I do think it's probably going to take a bit longer for Tua love Matt Breida though that's a great pickup amazing Uh, pick another another running back by committee there like right when you thought Jordan Howard was coming out as a like basically a workhorse because who else they gonna have Miles Gaskin like and then they go and trade for Matt Breida who on this show if you listen you know we love him very productive running back I can't think of a better compliment for Jordan Howard uh, if the Dolphins go down, Breed is going to see the field more than Howard. So that's a nice pickup there. Yeah, in those games where the Dolphins are down 7 nothing early and basically trail the rest of the game, Breed is going to be playing 65 to 70% of the snaps probably, catch 6 to 7 balls, run the the ball probably like 7 to 8 times, and could have some very productive PPR games. Yeah, I mean, not Matt Breed, before he got hurt last year, and he's always hurt in some way, but before he got hurt last year, he was a beast. So, um, like you guys said, great compliment to Jordan Howard there. Let's go over to the Patriots. Patriots not doing much. They didn't take a quarterback. Um, but the last time they took two tight ends in the middle rounds, it was Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. This time, it's Devin Assessi, uh, UCLA, and Dalton Keene of Virginia Tech, both round three um, picks. It looks like unless they unless they make a trade for Jacoby Brissett or something of that nature, it looks like they're going into the year with uh, with uh, I was going to say Jason Stidham uh, with uh, what's his what's his first name? Jared. Jared there you go. Like Jason Statham. Uh, Jared Stidham uh, as the quarterback for a uh, second year guy, former Auburn quarterback. Um I mean, rookies like to throw to tight ends, but we know that rookie tight ends don't usually make any noise. Is there any noise to be made here? Yeah, for just basic overview for 
redraft purposes, there's nothing to see here. We have a quarterback we don't know about. We have two rookie tight ends who are not going to perform because they're rookie tight ends. That's about where I'm at. And honestly, I feel like the Patriots just had a atrocious draft. I was so confused by their entire draft. This was also like a bad draft them. for tight ends. Thaddeus Moss didn't even get drafted. Yeah, and Randy Moss's son, for people who don't know, shout out Thaddeus Moss. He's now with the Redskins, signed at the UDFA. <clears throat> but, yo, the Patriots, they trade back a, a couple times. They traded up like three times. Bill Belichick, everyone's like, oh, he's always this genius because he trades back and accumulates picks. And then he's trading up for guys like Kyle Duggar, a 24-year-old safety who played D2. Like, he's a 24-year-old from D2 college. Like, how good could he possibly be that you're taking him in the second round? I just feel like that makes no sense at all. I mean, in our draft recaps, Tim showed that the Patriots haven't really been that good at drafting. Yeah. It's, it's good to hide that when you have Tom Brady. And then the two tight ends in round three... Like Jason said, it's supposedly a very weak tight end class, and I just don't understand really how they didn't draft a single wide receiver with the wide receiver group that they have or a quarterback with Jared Stidham at the helm and Brian Hoyer. So I don't know. I thought it was a very strange draft for the Patriots. I had nothing to see here for fantasy. Apparently, Belichick said it wasn't by design that they didn't get a quarterback. So there's a chance a team hopped them for him, but still, like if you want a quarterback, you go and get them, especially if you're going to trade up three times anyway. Yeah. My guess is probably the Eagles surprised them by trading up and taking Jalen Hurts. Or did they trade up? I don't know. No, they just drafted him. But who knows? Uh, Yeah, I mean, not one to question Bill Belichick here, but their drafts have not been good the past few years where they've been accumulating all these late draft picks. Um, It makes you wonder, is there a plan in place? Maybe suck for the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes next year. Let's find out. Man, that would would blow. (laughs) The New York Jets... Uh, a team close to our heart, and I must say, I know I'm biased, but I think Joe Thomas smashed a home run out Joe of the Douglas. park with this draft. Um, in the second round, he takes Denzel Mims out of Baylor. In my opinion, the most underrated of the prospects at wide receiver. Um, running back Lamichael P. Ryan out of Florida, who's a bruiser, nice compliment to to Le'Veon Bell and James Morgan, a quarterback at FIU, definitely a project. So those are the three offensive picks. Obviously, we don't have to talk about James Morgan here. He's not going to see the field unless um, unless Sam Darnold goes out and gets another sexually transmitted disease. But uh, Denzel Mims, uh, let's talk about him. Usually we stay away from wide receivers in the draft, but that's because rookie wide receivers tend to come on later, right? They don't – if you're holding them – in your on your roster it's usually a waste of roster spot until week six at least so we stay away from that but there's a lot of wide receivers in this draft so someone's going to stand out and denzel mims probably has as good a chance as any because of the opportunity that's presented to him um michael how do you feel about the jets um not only taking denzel mims and also you, you can't ignore makai becton who's going to open up some holes and maybe make everything better for Le'Veon. but um well, how do you feel about the Denzel Mims pick? The Jets might have drafted with their first two round picks the two most highlight real players of the entire college season last year. If you haven't watched Makai Becton highlights or Denzel Mims highlights, please do. Dude, Denzel Mims runs a 4-3-8. He's 6-3. His catch radius is over 10 feet. He just made a prolific catch of a prolific catch, and the knock against him was he can't really run routes. He's a Baylor product. And then I watched his Brett Coleman video that Timmy sent me of like 11 minutes explaining how Denzel Mims is actually like, he's not a great route runner, but he is good at it and he could definitely improve upon it. And I just got super excited for Denzel Mims and he is someone I'll probably going to 
Like, if I drafted today, I would not be afraid to draft him in, like, the 10th round. Because the Jets only have Rashad Perriman, right? They don't know what was Josh Doxson going to take snaps. Chris Herndon is coming off, like, a injury. Who knows how he, he's going to be impacted. And Denzel Mims is the perfect big target for Sam Darnold. And last year, we saw Terry McLaurin end up in Washington where he didn't really have any competition, and he just came on right away. He The entire season, he was a very good player, even with the rotating door at quarterback. So Denzel Mims is someone I'm super excited about now. What I love about Mims is his physicality. Um, going from Robbie Anderson as your number one receiver, a guy who, if he was challenged, would just fumble the ball. He looks like a twig. Uh to Denzel Mims is such a difference, and that Brett Coleman video really showed his ability to use his length to slap chop the cornerback's arm away or to extend his arm at the last minute on a streak to get that extra separation, and that's what the great wide receivers do, uh, and that's tough to teach. That's mostly instinct, so I think that's a positive sign there, and I mean, it, it'll probably be a slow start because he did have a limited route tree, and this is a weird offseason, but I think he'll contribute at the end of the year. Uh, yeah, I love it. Uh, I, I really think that this is a good one. Also, specialized in Baylor on making back shoulder catches, which is one of the strengths of Sam Darnold. So um, if you put that together, it could be good. And I, and listen, take it with a grain of salt. We're excited about it. But um, we really respect the guy that does NFL, the, the film room on um, YouTube. Shout out to Brett Coleman, who does that. Brett Coleman, who is, who's already uh, scheduled to be a guest in this podcast. So you guys will meet him on the real recognized real hotline, but um, he highlighted the circus catches and the catches that he made in traffic and uh, the 50, 50 balls that he won. So that's what the jets are missing. Speaking about making great catches and winning 50, 50 balls. Let's go over to the NFC East now where CD lamb in the shock of the draft in the first round goes to the Dallas Cowboys who already has two, who already has two, Great wide receivers in Amari Cooper and um, Michael Gallup. How do you guys feel about this? The only real uh, difference maker they drafted on offense was C.D. Lamb. How do you guys feel about this pick? Apparently, nobody knows who Michael Gallup is anymore. <laughs> yeah, right. They call him Terrence Williams. Like Everyone's talking about Terrence Williams. Yeah. Everyone's making graphics without Michael Gallup in them. Uh, C.D. Lamb's going to be their slot guy. Think about Randall Cobb. Uh, I, you don't think Amari Cooper might move into the slot? No, I don't think so. I think that this helps the Cowboys because those games where they're facing a good opponent and Amari Cooper becomes the trash that he is, shout out Rex Ryan, and doesn't do anything, then they're going to have another weapon besides Michael Gallup to do something. I think that's where this uh, move really makes a difference. Or at least take attention away from Amari Cooper so he could do something. Yeah, it might be a crazy thought, but I think CeeDee Lamb is going to be most playable in the Cowboys' toughest challenges. That makes sense, actually, because Amari Cooper disappears in the tough challenges. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think it's a great move for the Cowboys as an overall team. I think it really sucks for fantasy purposes because Cooper, Gallup, and uh, Lamb is just going to be like, which one's going to produce today? And it's just going to be a toss-up, really, in my opinion. It's going to be tough. For me, the big winner is Dak Prescott. I real quick, uh, yeah. I really loved Michael Gallup this season, and this this pick pissed me off. Personally, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be hard to as, as we get on in the season, we'll, we'll have a little bit of a closer look at this. But I think Dak Prescott's the real winner. Think about dropping back. First of all, I know that there was some uh, some 
retirements on that offensive line this year, but they still have an above-average offensive line. Imagine dropping back behind that offensive line and then looking out to see Amari Cooper, uh, C.D. Lamb, uh, Ezekiel Elliott as your as your um, safety valve, and then Michael Gallup. That that is a ridiculous, ridiculous um, plethora of weapons. So I think that Dak Prescott, who already ended as QB two, um, and always goes underdrafted in fantasy drafts. If I can grab Dak Prescott everywhere next year, I'm gonna dra- I'm gonna grab him. I also think it um, hurts the uh, the Blake Jarwin truthers a little bit. Really, <laughs> not much to go around. No, no, don't draft Blake Jarwin is my uh, is my initial thoughts on that one. Um, also, uh, not to bring the mood down, but uh, Jace Prescott, uh, Dak's brother, who passed away at the ripe age of 31 years old. Uh, I'm I'm 31 years old, so it, it hit me hard. So uh, R.I.P. and our prayers go out to the Prescott family. Um, moving on to the New York Giants, the Giants didn't really take anyone that is that is you know going to make a fantasy impact but with that being said andrew thomas out of georgia will probably be a better situation for everyone His- yeah the giants spent their draft drafting 88s in madden <laughs> guys with high floors but not the highest ceiling and andrew so- thomas is supposed to be a run blocker first like he's a very good run blocking so we might see even a, a better season from this year from saquon barkley than we did last season Let's move on to the Philadelphia Eagles. In round one, they pass on Justin Jefferson, which everyone just kind of assumed would go to them, for Jalen Rager, the speedster out of TCU. In the second round, they take Jalen Hurts out of Oklahoma. Um, in, in the fifth round, John Hightower, wide receiver out of Boise State. In the sixth round, Quez Watkins, Southern Mississippi wide receiver. So let's start with the big guy, Jalen Rager. You know, real quick, Tim, I just want to say one more thing because I forgot about it when we were discussing C.D. Lamb. The huge contract that Amari Cooper just got from the Cowboys, there are zero guaranteed dollars on that contract after 2021. Just saying. Oh, he might be complete soon. Um, speaking of guaranteed dollars, uh, the Eagles guaranteed Carson Wentz a lot of dollars, but also took a QB in the second round. But let's so let's wait on that. Uh, Jalen Rager, speedster. Um, on 51 percent of his cat uh, catches last year. Oh, I mean, I'm sorry, over the last two years, have went for 15-plus yards. So he's a guy who can catch the ball and do crazy things with it. Um, what do you think, Jalen Rager? I think we saw Miles Sanders have almost 800 passing receiving yards last season as a small, shifty guy. So now they're basically taking Miles Sanders and throwing him to the outside, <laughs> if you're really looking at it. Um, so I think that it's a it's a – hole in their roster they needed a wide receiver i'm a little skeptical his production was limited he did have an awful quarterback in college they're really going off the raw intangibles here sometimes those people take a little bit longer to develop but the sky is a limit there's really no one in front of him in in philly yeah he uh you said he had awful quarterback play jason sorry michael for cutting over a second only saw a catchable target 61.4% of the time, according to PFF. That ranks 118th out of 120 wideouts that they graded. So There you go. <laughs> it shows you what he had to do with very little. And now Carson Wentz. I, I, I see this as like a Deshaun Jackson. Let's get a young Deshaun Jackson in. Someone who could stretch the field. Um, he's a field stretcher. And I, I really like the pick for the Eagles in terms of fit in their scheme. 
Yeah, they could definitely use someone of that sort, especially since Deshaun Jackson can't get can't stay healthy for longer than two games in a season anymore. So I do like the fit. I it's just I don't know how good Jalen Rager is going to be right off the bat in Philadelphia. I still think Ertz and Goddard are going to be the main guys there, and Alshon Jeffrey is still there. Like people forget that Alshon Jeffrey is still a viable receiver just because he was hurt last season. So I think all these people saying Jalen Ragor is now the wide receiver one in rookie drafts and things of that sort, I'd be a little more skeptical because, first off, Carson Wentz can't really stay healthy. Last year was the first time he finally stayed healthy, so we really got to see if he can stay healthy. And then it's just they, they still got Ertz, they still got Goddard, they still got Djax when he's healthy going downfield, they still got Alshon Jeffrey when he's healthy, so I wouldn't jump to that conclusion just yet, even though Ragor is definitely exciting uh, in that landing spot with Philly. Call him Raygor. It's pretty funny. Raygor, um, Anything about Jalen Hurts? I mean, it, it looks like Hurts is gonna be, is gonna be like Taysom Hill type. It, it's it's funny. Like Taysom Hill, as much as we kind of hate on the fact that people have fallen in love with him as a quarterback, he kind of made his mark on this draft because Jalen Hurts is not getting picked in the second round if Taysom Hill doesn't exist. And the Saints even took a Taysom Hill type. I think it was more of a Lamar Jackson nod there. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, because they're drafting him to be an actual quarterback. They're not using a second-round pick for a Taysom Hill guy. I I, don't, I think that they're going to use him they're as a They're scared player, of Carson man. Wentz's health, justifiably so. They might they might bring him in like at the goal line, run like some Wildcat-type <laughs> stuff with Jalen Hurts where run an option with like a, maybe Ertz runs into the end zone. He could either pass, pitch it to Miles Sanders, something like that. I see, definitely see them getting a little uh, frisky with Jalen Hurts at times. But, yeah, I think he's not really going to be startable at any point this season. Let's go over to the Washington Redskins. Uh, in the third round, they take Antonio Gibson out of Memphis, the running back. In the fourth round, they take Antonio Gandy-Golden out of Liberty, which um, obviously when you're taking a guy out of Liberty, you got to stand out on tape. And his catch radius and his size uh, really stands out. Um, let's go over to Gibson first, though. Gibson, known as a pass-catching running back, 38 catches in 29, and he broke a tackle on 17 of them, according to PFF. So he has the ability to catch the ball and then get run after the catches. Um, Also had only 33 opportunities as a ball carrier, according to PFF again. Broke 16 tackles and had a 10-plus yard run on a third of them, 11 of them. So he's explosive. He's athletic. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, How do you feel about the Redskins pick here? Yeah, Antonio Gibson is one of those big wild cards because he was basically, he was a receiver and then he became a running back and he's just kind of one of those hybrid types. And he went to the reason he's so like everyone's so indecisive about him. He went to Juco for two years, so he wasn't in like a, a D1 college showing off his skill. And then as a junior in Memphis, he didn't have a role. Like he has one role, uh, he had one uh, season as a senior in Memphis where he was actually able to produce, and he only had 33 rushing attempts and 38 receptions. He was ridiculously productive with those touches. So he's he's one of the biggest wild cards on the on the field for anyone. And now with the Redskins, it's not a bad fit because they could use the weapons, but it's just how effective is he going to be in an NFL setting right off the bat for a guy who has one season under his belt as a senior playing against D1 competition. I also think Haskins is going to have a shaky season. Uh, we still don't know much about Haskins yet. So it's tough for me to get excited about any of these rookies. 
I think Gandy Golden, um, obviously it's going to be hard for him to make an impact right away, but the wide receiver room outside of Terry McLaurin is open um, in in Washington. So it's going to be interesting to see that. Yeah, um, Gandy Golden, maybe they'll try to get him involved in the red zone right away. It's a good name. It is a good name. Uh, let's, moving on to the AFC South. Starting off with the Houston Texans, they didn't really take anyone of note. They took uh, wide receiver Isaiah Coulter out of Rhode Island, but uh, we'll see what that what goes with that. We already in the fifth round, um, so we'll we'll wait on that one. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts are next, and they took some two guys right away. Yeah, they to did. Make an impact. Yeah, they did. Wide receiver Michael, wide receiver Michael Pittman, uh, someone who <laughs> Michael loves. Uh, he out of USC, and in the second round again. Running back Jonathan Taylor. That's why Jason is right now because his theory that Marlon Mack is overrated, uh, you know, comes to fruition here. These are and two they, guys they, that I love too. Jonathan Taylor is my favorite running back of the class. They take Jason Jacob Eason in the fourth round, which is an interesting one. Um, could be a project under Philip Rivers. And then in the sixth round, they take wide receiver Desmond Patton out of Washington State. But let's get to the two big guys, Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor. Um, Jason, why don't you start off with Jonathan Taylor, and then we'll go to Michael for Michael Pittman. Yeah. Um, Jonathan Taylor was your favorite running back coming out of the draft. Um, so why did you like him so much, and how does this fit in, in Indianapolis? First, I'm going to note on Marlon Mack because this is, this is hilarious. Let's, no one knows the guy better than the people right in front of him, and they believe that he is not. Taking a running back in the second round shows that they don't believe in Marlon Mack, and justifiably very, so. And especially very, very high draft capital for a running back and especially because it wasn't one of those pass catching specialist running backs yeah he's caught basically no passes in the nfl he doesn't break off long runs so it was time to let marlon mack go and the colts finally did that uh it's, it might not be an instant takeover but jonathan taylor will be the main back by the end of the season and this guy had 2,000 rushing yards every season in his career basically one of the best college running backs of all time he has measurables like saquon barkley this guy's a beast uh and it's going to show. I mean, if you're going to... The Colts want to run a run, run an offense through Phillip Rivers, who likes to utilize his running backs, running backs who can catch. And Marlon Mack had some catches in college, but he hasn't been that in the NFL. And then they go and take a running back who has been super productive on the ground, can catch passes through the air. It's clear what they want to do here. And that's get rid of Marlon Mack and bring in Jonathan Taylor. I want to say get rid of obviously like move Marlon Mack to a secondary role. Right. So I mean, that's that's a hot take, Jason, right off the bat. Um, Michael, how do you feel about Michael Pittman? Obviously, there is room for wide receiver in Indianapolis. Yeah, I like here in a row they took it wide receiver in the second round. I liked Michael Pittman a lot. I wanted him to go to the Jets because he already played games with Sam Darnold, and I feel like they would that would have been a nice fit. But the Colts snagged him early in the second round, and I can't blame them because, dude. This guy's 6'4". He's a ginormous human, 223 pounds, and he ran a 4'5", which isn't super fast for a uh, a wide receiver, but it's over the 90th percentile for someone that tall. So he was very electric. I mean, he had three productive seasons at USC, and the landing spot, I think, is great because with Phillip Rivers going, yes, Phillip Rivers like to throw underneath to running backs and to tight ends and such. I mean, but look at Mike Williams the last two seasons for... Uh, the Chargers, the big, tall guy who two years ago, he was the red zone threat who caught 10 touchdowns. And then this year, he was a deep play threat who averaged over 20 yards per reception. He had 50 receptions and was over 1,000 receiving yards. And Michael Pittman is coming out as a 
a player who played all four years in college. Like he's a senior, so he is he's ready to go in my opinion, and I think he's gonna fit in perfectly because one, Ty Hilton isn't that big receiver. He's the speed downfield threat, and then Paris Campbell, a lot of people love, but he was hurt his rookie season, and he's not really a threat to Michael Pittman's role either. So I think uh, Michael Pittman is perfect right now to go on the outside, and Ty Hilton can't stay healthy. And just be an automatic contributor for uh, for Philip Rivers. Um, just to, a couple of notes on Michael Pittman. He only dropped two point eight percent of his career catchable targets, and as you said, big target, uh, big catch radius. So he could go up and get it, which is nice. Also, Mike Renner, who's the PFF's lead draft analyst, says that. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is going to overtake Marlon Mack because he's a better player. So not Jason's not the only one who's thinking this. You also got guys who uh, who do this uh, do this film stuff um, for PFF. Um, let's go over to the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jacksonville Jaguars um, take a round two uh, wide receiver in. I'm going to try and say LaVisca this right. Chenault. LaVisca Chenault. There you go. Out of Colorado, <laughs> Junior. Um, he also. They also take a wide receiver in the fifth round, Colin Johnson out of Texas, a QB in the sixth round, Jake Lutton out of Oregon State. Um, obviously, we went over fifth round. People in the fifth round and under uh, don't usually make an impact in their rookie season, rarely make an impact in terms of fantasy in the NFL in general. I saw a stat that was very misleading by ESPN actually during the broadcast. It says 65% of the players in the NFL are were drafted in the fourth to seventh rounds. And yeah, that's cool. But um, about 65% of the players don't play because it's a 53 man roster and you play 22 people uh, in a game. So uh, that's definitely a misleading stat there in terms of that. But with that being said, I said the word that mad times just then. Um, Wide receiver LaVisca Chenault out of Colorado. Uh, Jason has a history of injuries, but is a freak when it comes to having the ball and getting yak. How do you feel about him uh, in a wide receiver needy place in Jacksonville? Did yeah, he pe- pull the not, hammy running the 40? If I'm not mistaken, Michael Gallup was out of Colorado as well? I believe so. And that was just someone that came to my mind because Michael Gallup's 6'1", 205. LaVisca Chenault's 6'1", 225. So a little bit more of a beefy guy there. But I think he could have a similar trajectory to his career. Uh, who's holding him off in Jacksonville, you have DJ Chark on the outside who proved himself to be a viable wide receiver one. And then you have Didi Westbrook and Chris Conley who are both 27, 28, who've never surpassed 800 yards in their careers. Those are guys that we've seen enough of at this point. And the Jaguars have too. They brought in Chenault, who, aside from injuries, may have gone earlier considering where he went with his injury history. So as long as he's healthy, I think he'll be able to make an impact. I like this move for the Jaguars. I think he can be someone who... If he gets a starting nod, can make an impact right away. Gallup went to Colorado State, by the way, not Colorado. Mm, okay. Yeah, I agree. He's uh, he's someone who might be able to make an impact right away, but let's see. He's also one of those uh, under underclassmen, came out after his junior year, and who knows how much time he'll have to learn the playbook and things of that sort, which is a concern for all rookies, really, depending on how long this plays out. But, yeah, he's definitely in a spot opposite Chark where he could have an impact right away because D.D. Westbrook really hasn't. He's been decent when given the opportunities, but he really hasn't <laughs> taken advantage of the opportunities. And Keelan Cole has just really dropped off the map as well. And he's a slot guy, D. Yeah, he's but he hasn't really him. produced. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you still like have on the outside, outside of DD. So when you control, come out of those. Let's go over to the Tennessee Titans. The only one, the only uh, skill player they take uh, is running back Darrington Evans out of Appalachian State. They also take a seventh round uh, quarterback in Cole McDonald out of Hawaii. Um, but a lot of people thought this was a reach. Um, at best, backup for Derrick Henry. So not really going to make an impact in fantasy. I'm going to skip over this if you guys, unless you guys really want to say something about him. Move along. Move I along. mean, long term maybe because if they decide to get rid of Derrick Henry, we'll see. After uh, let's go over to the NFC South. The Carolina Panthers and their offensive mastermind, Matt Rule, make no offensive picks whatsoever in the entire draft. The, uh, the first time in forever, I can't remember the year, that all – of team's picks went on the defensive side. So, obviously, he's trying to build up a defense. And it was great. A great thing for Carolina to do. I mean, they have enough weapons as is. No, I hated the the draft. I think Matt Rule's doing an awful job in Carolina. (laughs) Okay, well. Rule on the GM. They're idiots. No, I'm not saying. They're paying Teddy Bridgewater. They're giving a max, like a basically NBA max contract to a running back as good as McCaffrey is, and then they go and draft a defensive tackle in the top 10 in a league where who the fuck needs a run-stuffing defensive tackle anymore? Oh, yeah, I agree. I didn't say their draft was perfect. I'm saying the fact that they didn't draft any offensive pieces was smart. I, I would have taken Isaiah Simmons if I was there, too, in the first round, but, you know, well, only time will tell him that. The yeah, Panthers I, are a joke. Like, you've seen, they've seen firsthand what a really effective, like Luke Keekley, one what one really effective defensive player can do for a defense. Uh, let's go tackle. over to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who take Tristan Wharfs in the first round to protect Tom Brady's blind side. But they take in the third round, Kayshawn Vaughn, dun, a dun, running dun. back out, a, a third round running back. So high draft capital out of Vanderbilt. Uh, in round five, they take Taylor Johnson in Minnesota. And in round seven, Raymond Callius out of Louisiana. Let's start with Kayshawn Vaughn. Uh, I, man, I was really, I was really, really high on, uh, on Ronald Jones this year, but it's it's going to be a little bit of a of a tough task now because Keyshawn Vaughn is a guy with speed and a guy with verse, a guy with a lot of burst. Um, and, and I mean, so far Ronald Jones has not been that guy, so it's going to be an open competition. Ronald Jones is going to have to beat him out. Uh, what do you guys think about this pick? I think this is absolutely terrible for Ronald Jones because Keyshawn Vaughn is older than Ronald Jones by a few months. They are not drafting a running back who's older than Ronald Jones if they believe in Ronald Jones. Like, they were like, we need to draft a running back who's going to come in and have an impact right away. We're done with trying to make Ronald Jones a thing. In my opinion, that's what it looked like to me. And this is a guy who was very productive at Vanderbilt. He caught 28 passes last year. So he, uh, so he was able to show off some pass-catching ability as well. And I think he, I would not be surprised by if the time uh, the season comes, he's either the 50-50 split with Ronald Jones, and then like by week three, he's at up to like 75. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he's the Devin Singletary of this year with Frank Gore, where he just ends up overtaking him because he's clearly better. And honestly, it's because you guys know how I feel about Ronald Jones. I just don't think he's a good running back, period. And you expect the general manager to say good things about a guy they just drafted, but they don't need to go this far. Jason Licht, after drafting him, the Bucks GM, Jason Light, however you pronounce it, said he's got good speed. We know he can catch the ball. He's good in space. He's been very productive there. He's an intense person with great football character and passion. He's very smart. He's capable of playing on all three downs. 
You can't just rely on one good back if you have a guy who can do multiple things and makes him even more valuable to your team. He just basically said this guy can do everything and Ronald Jones can't. And yeah, that's why we got Kayshawn him. Kayshawn Vaughn might be one of the biggest jumps post-draft from what he was prior. Like he was probably like a mid to late second round pick in like off-season drafts for rookies. I mean, now he's going to be Depending on where his ADP round. is at, I want him this year in redraft. Yeah, that too. In FFPC drafts, I saw him going like the fourth, fifth round already, so it's already oh. getting up there. Yeah. I'm annoyed about how happy you guys are about this. Um, let's move over to the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons don't take anyone of note except uh, Matt Hennessy, uh, the, the center on offense, so he could skip over the oh, Atlanta Falcons. Uh, same with the New, York, New Orleans Saints. Um, for the most part, they do take a tight end in Adam Troutman out of Dayton. Um, again, rookie tight ends, not going, not really a thing. Um, they still have a established tight end in place in New Orleans. So Highest it's going to be player ever picked out of Dayton. So shout out to Troutman. Who, he's uh, more of a developmental guy who, who's supposed to be good down the road. Yeah. Okay. So, well, you guys want to talk about him, or can we skip on him? No, not for this year's. Purposes. I like it as a real life pick because Cook's going to be gone in a year or two, and it takes time to develop for tight ends. Also, Tim, the QB that they took in the seventh round is supposed to be the next Taysom Hill, so it's fitting that they took. Yeah, that Tommy Stevens out yeah. of Mississippi State. Tommy Stevens, who out of Mississippi State, which by the way is Dak Prescott's alma mater, yes. but also, uh, he said himself, "I want to be the next Taysom Hill." Yeah, and now right. he's on the same team as Taysom Hill. So right. interesting for Tommy Stevens there. Uh, let's go over to the AFC West. Um, the Los Angeles Chargers take Justin Herbert, Oregon quarterback, uh, which is you saw that coming because anyone who ever says Tyrod Taylor is the starter besides Rex Ryan really means we're going to draft a quarterback. Guys, um, real quick, over yes. under the amount of games it took Baker Mayfield to pass Tyrod Taylor for Herbert to. So like two and a half games. Over. 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 Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he starts right away. Justin Herbert has the physical tools, but um, you know, he's he's a bonehead. So it's gonna be interesting to see what goes on there. Um Justin Herbert, and then they in the fourth round they take running back Joshua Kelly out of UCLA, who was very productive in his career. Uh a, the type of character you like too. He was uh he was at a college, I can't remember what college, but he, he UCLA. Had a, say again? UCLA. Say it again? UCLA. So he eventually got to UCLA. Um, but he was at another college oh. where the head coach got fired, and he just kept writing letters and calling UCLA to the point where they recognized his voice when he called. And he finally got through to the coach, and <laughs> he got he got on the field. And not only did he get on the field, he was the offensive MVP for the last two years for the UCLA Bruins. So um, Joshua Kelly, a good character guy there, uh, running back for the Los Angeles Chargers. And you know they're going to need a compliment to Austin Eckler. So that's someone who could make an impact. Wide receiver Joe Green out of Virginia in the fifth round and wide receiver K.J. Hill out of Ohio State in the seventh round. Um, let's start with Michael on this one because we started with Jason last time. Uh, anyone here, I mean, Justin Herbert obviously is going to have the biggest impact because he impacts the other fantasy players. Um, how do you feel about Justin Herbert and Joshua Kelly? For Herbert, uh, like you guys said, Tyra Taylor is probably going to start the season as the uh, QB. I don't see their offense changing much from what it's been over the last few years. Uh, they basically have the same staff, and they still have Austin Eckler out of the backfield who's one of the best pass-catching running backs in the league. They still have Allen and Mike Williams. So I don't think their offense is going to change change much. Like Philip Rivers was 
I like Philip Rivers, but last year it was pretty disastrous, the amount of interceptions he was throwing and things of that sort. So they might be a little bit more conservative, but Mike Williams is the only one I'm a little bit scared about because you don't know how effective Tyrod Taylor, especially, and then Justin Herbert, who also has question marks, if they're going to be able to hit him downfield. Keenan Allen's a possession guy. Austin Eckler's an underneath guy. Hunter Henry will get his work in the middle too. So Mike Williams is the only one I'm really concerned about really when it comes to that. But for Josh Kelly, I think this is a huge win for Austin Eckler. Because they had they had Justin Jackson and Austin Eckler on their in their uh, running back room, right? So it's not shocking that they took a running back, but they also took a running back in Josh Kelly, who, like you said, played at JUCO for two years or whatever other school he played at, and then he went to UCLA for two years and he was good. But he's not someone who's just going to overtake Austin Eckler by any means. I mean, Austin Eckler is no. still going to no. be the pass catching back. Josh Kelly, let's see how fast he's able to pick up the system because they also like Justin Jackson. If anything, I still think Austin Eckler is going to get 10 to 15 carries a game with like five to seven receptions a game. And he's shown in the past that that's all he needs to really be Austin Eckler. Yeah, in the RBBC apocalypse, um, Eckler won out 100%. This is a pick that clearly is meant to push Justin Jackson or to either push Justin Jackson or to just get him off of the field. Um, Joshua Kelly is a clear compliment back. And no offense to him, he could be a great compliment back. But this was a notch on the... Armor, I guess. I don't know what to say. This is great for Austin Eckler. Yeah, I, I think also Austin Eckler, as you as you can, as you mentioned, um, is a pass catching back. So, I mean, he's also a smaller guy. I don't want to I don't want to put a lot on that because he's a workout freak. But I would rather Austin Eckler have a compliment back that gets eight to ten carries a game that is productive uh, in order for Austin Eckler to be good. And a lot of people. A lot of people love opportunity, um, but as we like to say in the show, opportunity, yes, is important, but it's not king. Efficiency is king. And I think that efficiency, efficiency-wise, Austin Eckler is freed up by this draft pick. So I like this pick not only for the Chargers in general, but I like this pick for Austin Eckler, like you guys said. Let's go over to one of the more confusing draft picks now, uh, drafts in general, the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, they live up to their Las Vegas name and their Raiders name. Um, they take Henry Ruggs out of Alabama, the first wide receiver taken off the board. Henry Ruggs over Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb. Very interesting. Darius Hayward uh, Ruggs. In the third round, they take Lynn Bowden Jr. out of Kentucky, who is a quarterback in Kentucky, so just kind of a, a super athlete. Uh, actually listed as a wide receiver, I believe, on the telecast. Mm-hmm. Then they take, with the very next pick, Brian Edwards, a wide receiver out of South Carolina, who is more of a um, bruising-type 50-50 ball big man. So with that being said, they're stacking up on their outside weapons. Ruggs, Bowden, and Brian Edwards. Let's start with Ruggs because this screams, I want Tyreek Hill from John Gruden. I will do anything in my power. To get Tyreek Hill, and even if I have to overpay. Let me tell you, Tim, because honestly, when it comes to guys like Henry Ruggs, it boggles my mind how teams, like, after all the years in the NFL, you see, you still see teams who say, do you see the type of impact Tyreek Hill is having for the Chiefs? This completely different team with this completely different offense with this completely different player, and then they say, Let's take up this player in the first round because of how good the Chiefs are with Tyreek Hill. Like, yo, you are taking nothing into account besides the fact that Tyreek Hill is fast and explosive. 
Like, you're not taking into account the fact that Patrick Mahomes is his quarterback, the fact that Andy Reid's the head coach. And the fact that Tyreek Hill, because of this skill set, was a fifth-round pick. Yeah. Tyreek Hill was a fifth-round pick. Tyreek Hill would have been higher on the draft board if not for some personal issues in college. But that, that third, fourth. I mean, to be fair, he wouldn't have been a first-round pick. Yeah. But then you get guys like Henry Ruggs, though, who has played second fiddle to Jerry Judy all three years in Alabama. Never topped 750 receiving yards. Yes, he was ridiculously explosive. A 4-2-7-40 is hilariously great. Like, his speed is unmatched. But to be the 12th overall pick, I just... Like, I like Henry Ruggs. I think he's a better he's a better receiver than guys like Darius Hayward Bay was and Tavon Austin, guys of that sort. Henry Ruggs is a more just he's a real receiver. But to draft that guy ahead of guys like CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy who really frame the wide receiver position more, I guess that's why they ended up going with two other receivers later in the draft and Brian Edwards and well Lynn Bowden Jr. they already said is gonna be uh, a running back. So he's just gonna be moving around. But I'm recording on. It's very interesting, the fact that they took Henry Ruggs first. I feel like they were just chasing the speed and the Tyreek Hill dream a little bit too much. Here's my thought process. I don't think any of these guys are going to be very useful for fantasy purposes this year. I think that Mayock and John Gruden said, let's get a bunch of weapons this season. Let's suck. And since we have a bunch of weapons this season, let's utilize our draft capital next season after sucking. And if we don't get the first pick, let's trade for that first pick and draft Trevor Lawrence. Because they know Derek Carr sucks. I, that's that's hard for me to fathom. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think I, I don't think the Raiders are going to be bad, honestly. John Gruden stepped in no, and Derek had the Raiders very competitive right away. It's I was, about Derek Carr. Derek Carr's trash. Yeah, he is trash. But I still think the Raiders aren't going to be the first overall pick. No way. I still I think they're going to be. Bro, they're stocking up on weapons now so they can team. trade up next season and get a quarterback. Well, either way, Honey Ruggs is explosive, but he's going to be, like I think he's going to be more or less fantasy-wise like a Marquise Brown this season. Like, he'll have those explosive games, like the 120 yards, two touchdowns on four receptions. But then he'll have those games where he goes one reception, 29 yards, and then you're like, damn, I started Henry Ruggs this week. Um, Speaking speaking of that, yeah, I, 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 can't, I can't agree with you guys more. I think Henry Ruggs has, like, John Ross, Tavon Austin written on him. Um, definitely a Raiders. better than those guys. But. Um, well, well, I mean, we'll see. Maybe he's the next Tyreek Hill. Also a bit taller. He's 5'11", and he could jump. Not you. You mentioned that he played second fiddle to Jerry Judy. He was the third leading receiver on the Alabama Crimson Tide last year. So uh, for whatever that's worth, um, Denver Broncos are the next team. They get their guy without having to trade up. Jerry Judy. I could not think of a better fit than Jerry Judy to the Broncos. And then they go wide receiver again with KJ Hamler out of Penn State. Two very different guys. Um, and then in the fourth round they take tight end Albert O. Is what they call him out of Missouri. Uh, Aka Wanningbaum. I believe is how you say his name. And then in round seven, wide receiver Tyree Cleveland out of Florida. Let's concentrate on those first two guys, those wide receivers, though. Jerry Judy going to be manning the slot for Drew Locke, who they they believe in Drew Locke, and they made it very clear in this draft that they believe in Drew Locke. They got him weapons to throw to. They already have Cortland Sutton in-house. They got Melvin Gordon for him to throw to out of the backfield. They already have, um, what's his name, who lives in his oh, mom's basement. Philip Lindsay in house. So uh, Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler. Jerry Judy, one of the best route runners uh, that's ever been uh, evaluated by most draft evaluators. And KJ Hamler, who is one of those guys who uh, you can deploy in any situation, um, kind of a McCall Hardman type, um, who has just speed and burst out the wazoo. How do you guys feel about these picks? I think Drew Locke's going to be a top 10 quarterback this season. 
Yes. Is it that spicy? A little bit, yeah. Drew Locke is my fucking guy. Yeah. I mean, I don't even believe in him as a quarterback yet, like as a real NFL quarterback. But when you have that many weapons and you can use your legs, there's no reason why he's not going to be a top 10 quarterback. Corlin Sutton on the outside is going to make plays for him. Jerry Judy is going to get himself open, the most NFL-ready wide receiver in the draft. Uh, Hamler will make some plays. Melgo and Lindsey are going to be good on the ground. Everything's lining up for Drew Locke to be a fantasy stud this season, which means I think, I mean, Sutton's going to have a good season. I don't know how much of a fantasy productive season Judy's going to have, but he's going to have a very good real season, in my opinion. He's going to make catches on third down. He's going to... Uh, be there when Luck needs someone to get open, but I don't know how much of a fantasy impact he's gonna have. Yeah, I applaud the the Broncos for really going Drew Lock. Who knows if he's the answer or not? But we're gonna give you all the weapons we can to prove to us that you are the answer. And if not, they're gonna have a whole bunch of talented players who are at least gonna try to pick up Drew Lock from what he actually is. If Drew Lock does end up being a very good quarterback, man, their offense could be scary because. We saw that second year jump out of Cortland Sutton where he became a beast, and I expect him to only get better. I mean, he was my 12th overall pick in our 2023 draft, which obviously is going to change now with Jerry Judy and other weapons being there. But Jerry Judy, like Jason said, I think he's just going to be the the guy for Drew Locke where it's it's third and three. We need a, we need a first down. Just hit Judy on a slant or like just a, a button hook or something of that sort to just get a, separate from the defender because he's... Like you said, he's one of the most crisp route runners coming out of the draft. He was widely known as the most NFL-ready wide receiver coming out of the draft. A lot of people said C.D. Lamb potentially has a higher ceiling, but Jerry Judy is definitely the most ready NFL receiver to just go and join a team. So I don't think I don't think his fantasy appeal is going to be tremendous this year with Noah Fant there, Cortland Sutton, Melgo, and Philip Lindsay out of the backfield, and and a really inexperienced Drew Locke. He still has only started a handful of games, but I think it's pretty great spot for Jerry Judy to land uh down the uh down down the road because I mean we just saw Coop and Gallup go thousand yards each over a season I wouldn't be surprised if Sutton and uh Jerry Judy are like that in a year or two speaking of great spots running back Clyde H- Edwards Hilaire out of LSU uh the patch catching dynamo um another Brett Coleman love child uh he, I watched the video about Clyde Edwards Hilaire his vision is unmatched and when you have an Andy Reid scheme where you know you're going to get open um, the ability to shift and move like this guy can move laterally with the same quickness that he moves up and down um, didn't run the greatest at the combine and does he have breakaway speed to break off an 80 yard an 80 yard run Th- those things are question marks but he can break tackles he's elusive and he fits the exact same mold as a guy that Andy Reid is very very familiar with and his name is Brian Westbrook. Um, I love Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. It's going to be hard for me to, uh, in a dynasty draft, on a rookie dynasty draft, to imagine anyone going before Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, he's the only one they picked. Love the pick. Um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to the uh, to the Chiefs. Chiefs. What do you guys yeah, think? Dude, if you are still – if you're in a dynasty draft and you're still taking someone over Clyde Edwards-Hilaire with the first overall pick – it's because you have bias written in your mind from all the studying you've been doing of someone that you fell in love with, like a Jonathan Taylor or something of that sort. Because how do you not take the one running back who is lined up with Patrick Mahomes for years to come? Two, 
Real only real competition is Damian Williams, who could just be out the door soon. Three, one of the best pass catching backs out of this uh out of this draft. And four is lined up with Patrick Mahomes for the foreseeable future. Like Clyde <laughs> Edwards Hilaire is the answer now. Five. He's, he's the number one overall. Brian West Brian Westbrook comparison from Andy Reid. Yeah, not even that. The GM said he reminds me of Brian Westbrook. Andy Reid said he's better than Brian Westbrook. Yo, hold on, hold on one second. I just want to make this clear because we are a redraft show and people might be listening and like not really paying attention and hearing what you said. We are not suggesting that he should be the number one overall draft pick in redrafts. We're suggesting he should be the number one overall draft pick in dynasty. I just wanted to make yeah, that in clear rookie drafts. In rookie drafts, because eventually right. he might be the number one pick in redraft. Honestly, if like Damian Williams, we love Damian Williams. I mean, he's just been productive every time he's on the field, but he hasn't shown that he's able to stay on the field, and he hasn't really been a workhorse workhorse for that team. Like he's, but so what I'm saying is Clyde Edwards Hilaire down the road is going to be great. And even this year, I think he's just going to step in. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's a starter right off the bat because the Chiefs showed last year that they were a little annoyed with Damian Williams and his injuries. And then they realized, wait, Damian Williams is the best running back we have. Let's get him back on the field. But they clearly love Clyde Edwards Hilaire. If this Clyde Edwards Hilaire could be the guy this year where as the hype grows throughout the offseason, if he has like a dynamic uh, preseason and if Andy Reid talks him up more he could be going in the second round in redraft leagues I wouldn't be surprised and it wouldn't be crazy and it wouldn't be crazy yeah so big time production there um, yeah I mean I agree with you guys let's go to the Arizona Cardinals now they didn't take anyone except running back N.O. Benjamin out of Arizona State in the seventh round he We're fell super s- super late What do you guys want to talk about him a little bit no nah, I mean he's not going to have an immediate impact yeah. so he just went a right. lot later than expected. So let's go to two guys that are definitely going to have an immediate impact. The Los Angeles Rams draft class is something that a lot of experts— Onto the NFC West. Oh, onto the, yes, onto the NFC West. A lot of experts liked the Los Angeles Rams draft class. It starts with Cam Akers out of Florida State, one of the most productive running backs um, in college. He's a rusher, uh, graded an 82.8 rushing grade on PFF, so a great uh, rusher there. Um, but they also go wide receiver Van Jefferson out of Florida. Um, Van Jefferson is 24 years old, but he's, he's, his comparable is Cooper cup. So pretty interesting there. Uh, with that being said, how do you feel these guys are going to do in Los Angeles? I, I don't get their draft. I just don't get it. They traded up for Daryl Henderson last year and they go and take another running back in the second round. Then they go and take a wide receiver who's comparable, whose comparison is Cooper Cup, where they lost Brandon Cooks, their field stretcher. They don't have an offensive line at the moment. I just don't understand what they were thinking in this draft. And for fantasy purposes, it's going to be hard to know. I think Akers and Henderson is going to be a little bit easier to digest. Akers probably is going to end up being the lead back by the end of the year. Because why take him in the second round if you have Henderson? Even by the beginning of the year. Maybe your first pick is a running back. Especially a running back that a lot of people like in Cam Akers. And, and Henderson being a little underrated. Yeah. I think Cam Akers is probably going to be the running back off the bat. Van Jefferson is weird because now they're just getting another slot guy. They like to move guys around the formation. They have, um, what's their names? Higby and Everett, who they're probably going to use a lot of in the in two tight end sense, like the end of last year. So we might not even see that much Van Jefferson on the field. That's probably why they got rid of Brandon Cooks. So I don't see Van Jefferson making a big difference this season either honestly the thing well, about, i don't know why either acres will probably make a difference the thing about van jefferson too 
Like, we got a guy who's going to be 24 when the season starts. So, like, he's an old prospect. And he's never had more than 700 yards receiving in a year in college. Like, just straight-up productivity-wise, that's disgusting. Like, that is really bad college productivity for a guy going in the second round of a draft. They're really banking on just the intangibles of Van Jefferson. Um, but you also, gotta keep in mind, he was an old college player. Yeah. If you struggle to produce as an older college player, what's the problem? Might also, Bryson, Bryson Hopkins at a Purdue a tight end in round four. I forgot to mention him. No, they you guys mentioned Aaron Aaron Everett. Everett. Yeah. Those two tight ends. Um, looking at the Seattle Seahawks again. Higby and the tight ends are the winners for the Rams in the draft. Uh, let's go over to round. I mean, the Seattle Seahawks in the fourth round they take tight end Colby, Colby Parkinson out of Stanford. In the fourth round again they also take DJ Mills. I mean, I'm sorry, DJ Dallas, um, the Miami Florida running back, and then wide receiver Freddie Swain out of Florida in round six. Um, I don't see a situation where any of these guys are going to be productive this season, although DJ Dallas maybe surprises us. Uh, anything that you guys see here? Yeah, I don't see any impact right away either unless there's injury. Like if Chris Carson gets hurt again and just all the – if the entire running back room goes down, then DJ Dallas will probably get an opportunity. But I don't see any immediate impact. Yeah, the they've been good at analyzing late-round running backs, the Seahawks. Not very good at – Early round running back. So Dallas is a name to keep an eye on. But as long as Carson is healthy, I don't think it means much. A lot of people in the fantasy world are talking about maybe Chris Carson getting released by the Seahawks this year, which is an interesting. That would make no sense to me. Because everyone Everyone loves draft capital and hates Chris Carson. Rashad Penny, what has he done in his life? Please, enough with this guy. Um, Let's go over to the San Francisco 49ers who take wide receiver Brandon Ayuk in the first round. They also take a sixth-round tight end. Um, Charlie Warner out of Georgia, but let's talk about brand and I'm sorry, uh, seventh round wide receiver in Juwan Jen- Jennings out of Tennessee. But let's go over to Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk screams Kyle Shanahan to me. Um, he's a guy who has the speed. He can go all over the field. He can make yards after the catch plays. Um, I think that this is a a good fit for the 49ers. Not necessarily the best wide receiver on the board, but the best wide receiver that fits the 49ers scheme. On the board was Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State. You could see him moving around and taking double reverses and things of that nature next year and being kind of like a McCole Hardman with a bigger ceiling and a bigger role next year. This was Lynch and Shanahan's number one wide receiver on the board. Uh, All things, all wide receivers available. Wow. So they really like this guy, uh, and they've been doing a good, good job down there in San Francisco, so that means something. Uh, I think he'll have a very slightly less Debo-esque season this year for the Niners because they have Debo, they have George Kittle. Those are going to be the two main guys, but they need another weapon besides the running backs, and that's why they got Ayuk. The thing that scares me about Ayuk is that uh, he started as a Juco player for two years. He wasn't really like touted out of uh, high school. And then teams wanted to wanted him to transfer as a cornerback. And the reason he went to Arizona State is because they allowed him to stay as a wide receiver. Two years ago, behind Nikhil Harry, he had a decent season, 474 yards. And then this year, he shined when he was the star with Nikhil Harry gone over almost 1,200 yards and eight touchdowns. But he's a one-hit wonder at the D1 level at Arizona State, which is a little scary for me personally. And I understand the love because he's like this huge athletic freak, but I think it's a little risky taking a guy 
like Ayuk when there were other uh, receivers on the board. But I mean, I think this is I think this is a good spot for Debo Samuel. If this is gonna push Debo Samuel a little later in drafts because people think, oh, they got another weapon to use, I'm just gonna take advantage of it and draft Debo Samuel even later than he's going. Um. Yeah. Uh, I. I- I kind of disagree with you. I think that he won't have a fantasy impact this year, but I think that he'll open eyes, like I said, comparable to McCole Hardman, um, to the fact that he will be a a possible target later in his life. Um, Let's go over to the Cincinnati Bengals and let's move on to the AFC North. Um, Joe Burrow, obviously the highlight of the Bengals draft. Did we discuss the Cardinals? Or did we just skip them? We did. Only Eno Benjamin. Oh, right. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we skipped the Cardinals. So uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow, obviously, and T. Higgins in the first two rounds. Those are the only two skill players they take. So obviously, Joe Burrow is going to have a chance to be productive. I think drafting a rookie quarterback is probably a mistake in your fantasy drafts, but I do think Joe Burrow will be a player that can be streamed every once in a blue. Uh, Let's talk about wide receiver T. Higgins. Uh, Now we have an A.J. Green, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd situation for Joe Burrow, even though uh, his offensive line will probably not give him enough time to throw to any of them. Um, but what do you guys feel about – how do you guys feel about T. Higgins out of Clemson? T. Higgins going to Cincinnati doesn't make him an automatic uh, draft in this year. I think he's I – don't, I don't, I'm not. I'm likely not going to end up drafting him in any redraft leagues because, like you said, they still have A.J. Green. They still have Tyler Boyd unless they trade A.J. Green or something. Even Auden Tate. They still, yeah, Auden Tate even shined last year as a former late round pick, and T Higgins. It's not he ran a four five nine, forty, which was very disappointing for him uh, after all the um, pr- productivity he showed at Clemson. So he's also an underclassman. He came out as a junior. So landing in uh, Cincinnati down the road, I think there's a lot of appeal once AJ Green leaves and Joe Burrow develops. But right away, I really don't have any interest in T Higgins. My takeaway yeah. from this draft, as much as we hate the guy, this was a big win for Joe Mixon. They brought yeah. in they brought in no one to challenge him. And we know that the Bengals refused to use Gio Bernard more than they do, even though they paid him. Uh, Joe Burrow or Andy Dalton, whoever's starting, will probably be good enough to not let the box always be filled. So Joe Mixon is the winner here because he keeps his volume. He He survived the running back by committee apocalypse. <laughs> One of the sole survivors. Um, let's go over to the Cleveland Browns. I'm a survivor. Um, Jedrick Wills in Alabama will open up some more holes for the running game and, and possibly give some more time to um, Baker. In a very improved offensive line with Jack Coughlin and, and Wills now at the tackle positions for the Cleveland Browns, you got to like how they address their offensive line issues. Um, they have tight end Harrison Bryant out of FAU in the fourth round and wide receiver Donovan Peoples-Jones in Michi- from Michigan in the sixth round. Um, again, late round tight end, you're not going to draft that guy. In a sixth round wide receiver, you're definitely not going to draft that guy, um, especially in a situation where you have uh, established wide receivers already. He's going to be the third wide receiver, it, you know, that's, you know, best case scenario, third wide receiver. So let's just move on uh, from the Browns. What do you guys say? Yep. yep. All right. Let's go over to the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers do it again. They draft another running back. Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame goes in the second round, 49th pick overall. And they get Booger McFarlane Jr. out of Maryland in the fourth round. Anthony McFarlane Jr. Uh, in round four. That's going to be an annoying you call, fucking you Claypool, you said running back? 
accidentally? Say again? Or did Tim say running? He's a wide receiver, Chase Claypool. I don't wide remember receiver. if you accidentally said running back or not. I thought I, I heard No, I said back. running back Anthony McFarlane. Is he actually but, Booger McFarlane's son, or is that just a joke? I believe that he is. Anthony right? McFarlane's Booger McFarlane's son? Seriously? I didn't know that. I believe so. Am, me, I, am I bugging? Let me look this up. Continue speaking. I'll talk about him, up. though, because Anthony McFarlane averaged over six yards a carry for Maryland. If you watch his highlights, he's a one-cut guy, but once he makes that one cut, sheesh, he's out. He's a fast dude. He's hard to bring down. I really like this pickup for the Steelers, and I don't think it's going to hurt James Conner too much. I think this is a—we saw Jalen Samuels. We saw Benny Snell. Those guys suck. Benny Snell was never a good running back prospect. Jalen Samuels is a wide receiver slash tight end slash running back who the, who shouldn't be in a backfield. So then they got McFarland, a very dynamic change of pace back for James Conner. I think James Conner will still get his 15 to 19 touches a game. McFarland will mix in for about eight. And I think this will be good for both of them. Yeah, I don't see... Tim, I think you might be confused because Booger McFarland's no, real name is Anthony McFarland. I do not see... Anthony McFarlane. I don't think that's oh, his yeah, son, man. Right. That would have been a big deal. They just everywhere. have the same you're name. You're right. Yeah. It's not. Uh, uh, he's not. Damn. I could have sworn I heard someone say that. Because they have anyway. the same name. Sorry. Michael, what about um, Claypool? Ch- let's talk about Chase Claypool, though, the wide receiver out of Notre Dame, because Chase Claypool is a, a Steelers kind of, kind of like, this is a prototypical Steeler. 6'4". 240 pounds, and he runs a 4-4 40-yard dash, vertical over 40 inches. He made downfield plays at Notre Dame, um, 16 receptions on passes throw more than 20 yards. This is the prototypical uh, kind of Plaxico Burris raw athlete coming out of uh, the draft and in the the wide receiver U NFL style Steelers who make wide receivers into big-time names. I think that this is a guy who has a, as good a chance as any to succeed this year um, in his in this one. So Chase Claypool, I don't, Notre I don't Dame, know about, someone that I'm keeping on my watch list this year. I don't know about that. I mean, yes, he's big, and I mean six four 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 two is that's like 99th percentile forty speed for someone that big. We're also talking about a team with. I think this. Well, we have look, we have Juju and we have Deontay Johnson, right? As two. Sure, but that well, who's going to line up on the opposite side of that? Because Juju's a slot guy and Deontay Johnson on the outside, who's exactly. a smaller guy. But they also like to use their running back in the passing game. I think I don't think Claypool at any point is going to be a reliable weekly play. I do think this shows that they've given up on James Washington. Yeah, let's not let's not forget though also that Big Ben's coming back, and Big mm-hmm. Ben has made. Two, three wide receivers and a running back fantasy viable in the past. Claypool also has only had one really productive season, and that's as a senior. So I'm a little skeptical, especially I, this, I, this season. I, I'm interested in his physical traits because I know the Steelers can make any wide receiver good. Fair enough. Uh, let's go over to the Baltimore Ravens. They draft running back J.K. Dobbins out of Ohio State, one of the most productive um, running backs in history of college football and when you're talking about Ohio State you're talking about a very very illustrious group of running backs there um what how do you guys feel about this uh let's also talk about wide receiver Devin Durvani out of Texas he was drafted in the third round so how do you guys feel about the J.K. Dobbins picks first and foremost if you're a Mark Ingram guy uh say goodbye to Justice Hill I mean there goes all the hype for Justice Hill last season uh for Mark Ingram I think it only hurts him a tiny bit. 
I mean, Mark Ingram had his role last season. He produced in that role. I think that's just going to continue to be his role. I think Dobbins, Dobbins is very good. Yes, three very productive seasons as um, in at Ohio State. He also caught the ball well. So I think he'll likely mix in for some third down work. Maybe Mark Ingram loses out on some receptions, which will hurt his value a little bit. But I don't really see J.K. Dobbins stepping in and being a 50-50 split with Mark Ingram. I still think it's Mark Ingram's backfield with J.K. Dobbins as the main backup slash spell back or third down back in that system now. Uh, let's go over to the Lions. Someone who did not survive the RBBC apocalypse was on Johnson. They draft DeAndre Swift, running back out of Georgia in the second round with the 35th overall pick. Um, in the fifth round, they take Quintez Cuffus of Wisconsin, a wide receiver. They also take running back Justin Huntley out of New Mexico State in the fifth round. So two running backs drafted by the Lions. Kind of shows me that they're not very uh, – confident in the ability of carry on Johnson to stay healthy, who he's been hurt his two first years in the league. DeAndre Swift. Hey, he's a great pass catching back. And I think that he has an ability to come in right away and be a pass catching back in Detroit. Um, even two years ago when he was a sophomore playing behind Sony, Michelle and Nick Chubb, he would come in on passing downs in the, in the, what do you call it, the, the national championship game to spell those two guys who are right now starters in the NFL. So it shows you his pass-catching ability. Uh, how do you guys feel about DeAndre Swift, the Lions, this year? Look, when it comes to DeAndre Swift, right when that pick made, Jason was like, I don't get it. And I was like, the Lions are 100% fed up with their running back position. Like, how long could a team go without having a trustworthy running back? It was supposed to be Amir Abdullah. He couldldn't stay healthy and just wasn't that productive. It was supposed to be Carryon Johnson who hasn't been healthy and just really hasn't been that productive. Most of his productivity has just been out of volume when he does get the ball. They're like, yo, screw the draft capital we spent on carry on Johnson. Let's go get DeAndre Swift, who can do it all, put him in our backfield, and make him our guy so we could have a real running back for years to come, and we could stop worrying about the running back position. Even if it's high draft value, we're taking DeAndre Swift. I think he just steps in right away and is the starter, and the Lions are just fed up with the running back position, and they're just looking for someone to take over. Alternative outlook, Matt Patricia continues to want to be Matt Belichick and thinks, oh, we can never have enough running backs. Let's use all of them. I'm a bad coach, but let's just keep drafting running backs. That's my take on it. Um, He'll probably jump carry on Johnson because you don't draft a running back that high if not. I don't know. Carryon Johnson was a second-round pick just two years ago. Yeah, two years ago. Now they're using another second-round pick on a running back. I, so. I see this as a split running back by committee. I see Carryon Johnson getting the the bulk of the work. Running but they're the just not a team that – I don't know. I don't think they can carry two running backs. So if one of them doesn't come out uh, – like for fantasy purposes. So if one oh. of them doesn't come out ahead, then they're both just going to be ugly for fantasy. Yo, listen, Jason. You could talk. You could talk all you want about someone's physical abilities, but to make fun of their appearance, it's just—it's just not right, man. Right? Who are you? You're ugly, Tim. <sighs> Let's go over. I to see the, the shine on your head. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go over to the Chicago Bears. Um, they draft Cole Komet, the tight end out of Notre Dame. As if who, they didn't have enough tight ends already. I mean, if you, yeah, he's gonna be playing behind Jimmy Graham, Dude, and that's what I'm that's like. Not a situation yo, I want to touch. if you are the Chicago Bears, and 
like clearly you were supposed to be doing uh, work for the draft months prior. And you know you have interest in Cole Komet. Why are you signing Jimmy Graham to an expensive two-year deal? The ghost of Jimmy Graham, who's one of the worst tight ends in the league. And it's just laughable that they gave him that contract. And then they draft a tight end. They have 10 tight ends on their roster. 10. I, I Do they really? Yes, is that, 10. Is that real? Yes. That's real? They have 10 tight ends? They currently have 10 tight ends on their roster. They will likely Ten. end up cutting like six of them. But they currently have 10 tight ends on their roster. <laughs> okay. Um, apparently. That's how I feel about very that pick. Important Even if Matt Cole Komet ends up being a Hall of Famer. The fact that they drafted a tight end with nine other tight ends on their roster after giving Jimmy Graham a two-year expensive deal is just mind-boggling to me. Um, I think if he ends up being a Hall of Famer, then you can forgive them. Yeah, um, you're right. <laughs> also, in the fifth round, they draft wide receiver Darnell Mooney out of Tulane. But, I mean, you know I was a big Chicago Bears fan two years ago. You know, coming into this year, I had high hopes for the Chicago Bears. I hopes. I do not believe in Matt Nagy's ability to build a team. I may believe in his ability to run an offense, but I do not believe in his ability to build a team. Uh, let's go over to the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings draft wide receiver Justin Jefferson out of LSU, who if you're a Vikings fan, you got to be really happy about this pick. Um, someone to line up opposite. Uh, I'm, I'm on the outside uh, in the absence of Stefan Diggs. They also get Jeff Gladney out of TCU. Um, although he's a cornerback, and I don't know why I mentioned him. Um, in round five, they get KJ Osborne from Miami of Florida. Um, and then they get QB Nate Staley out of Iowa in the seventh round. So no one to really speak of except for Justin Jefferson. I know Justin Jefferson is the guy that we all liked coming out of college. Jason, why is Justin Jefferson a good or bad pick here or a good or bad fantasy impact guy here? No, it's definitely a good pick. I mean, they got rid of Stephon Diggs and didn't have a backup option, although Adam Schefter thought Tajay Sharp was his replacement. Um, Tajay Sharp is not a valuable replacement. Ola Bissy Johnson, or now known as Bissy Johnson, is not um, the best option. So they need another wide receiver in that wide receiver room. Uh, I don't think it'll take long for Justin Jefferson to hop into that number two spot. And I don't expect him to produce like Diggs does. I think Thielen's going to be a monster this season. And he'll... Uh, What's his name? Jefferson will have some productive games, but he's still a rookie, so he should temper our expectations. He also he also played primarily out of the slot for LSU. Like the vast majority of production was out of the slot. He had that ridiculously great season last year, fifteen hundred forty yards and eighteen touchdowns. So I don't I don't I think Adam Thielen because Adam Thielen would move around a lot. I wouldn't be surprised if Adam Thielen is the one who lines up on the outside more and Justin Jefferson lines up in the slot. But I think they'll definitely be able to use his speed and ability this season i think justin jefferson will be one of the rookies that you could leave on your bench and start in the right situation he'll definitely have an opportunity because um unless like you said unless tajay sharp is taking his snaps uh i don't think that he's it's going to be much of a competition i also i also agree with jason that adam thielen is being undervalued at the moment uh, and let's finish it off. We saved the worst for last here. The Green Bay Packers. Um, first three rounds take skill players. Quarterback Jordan Love out of Utah State, which we can talk about, but is not going to make a fantasy impact this year unless he pushes Aaron Rodgers. Um, let's touch on him last, but let's first touch on running back A.J. Dillon out of Boston College and tight end Jason DeGura out of Cincinnati. Let's start with A.J. Dillon. 
you got two running backs on this squad that are have both been productive. Why would you reach for a guy who wasn't in people's top 250? PFFs, top 250. He wasn't at P, he wasn't in PFFs top 50. He wasn't on people's draft boards as a top running back uh, for the most part. Why would you reach for a guy like AJ Dillon when you already have two viable running backs and you need wide receiver help? And this is a deep wide receiver draft. Denzel Mims available at this time. Honestly, I think this draft could go down as one of the worst drafts in recent memory. There, every single pick was head scratching. AJ Dillon, I understand that he he has the exciting ability, like the excitement factor, but you already have Aaron Jones. Who's shown what that more he, does he have to do? Yeah, who's shown that he's just ridiculously good. Like, he's a great running back. He's a good receiver. Jamal Williams, who has had over 600 yards every year in the league, has shown that he is a very productive backup and could step in the starting role if need be. What goes through your mind when you draft a running back in the second round when you only have Devontae Adams as a receiver? Like, MVS... St. Brown, all these guys, Jermon Moore, have done nothing. Geronimo Allison, for years now. And then in the in the third round, you draft a tight end who Matt LaFleur says is going to be used as in a Kyle Juszczyk role. Like, they drafted a running back and a fullback in the second and third rounds with, like, two years left of Aaron Rodgers. After disrespecting him by trading up for a quarterback in the first round. This is a team that went 13-3 and last year. I said they were the worst 13-3 and team I've ever seen and I had no chance of winning the Super Bowl. Clearly, they didn't. They got bounced in the second round. I don't even know how they got past the The Packers are going to be the Saints. team that misses the playoffs that was in it last year. Or not year. the Saints. Who did they beat in the first round of the Packers? The Seahawks, they're gonna miss, of course. They're going to miss the playoffs. They suck. I don't know how they were 13-3 and last year. It was the most fortuitous 13-3 and ever. And, dude, everyone, every smart person these days knows that the number one... Um, Way to win in the NFL these days is to take advantage of a quarterback on a rookie contract. Build around him with your cap room and then win in that window. That's what Mahomes did. That's what Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz. That's what these teams need to do. And what the Packers did was waste a first-round pick on a quarterback that they're going to need to extend before he ever sees the field. It's mind-blowing. What you need to, If you want to develop a guy, get a fourth-rounder like Jacob Eason. Let him develop. He's not going to play. And then you can sign him long-term for cheap. Jordan Love is not going to take a cheap contract. Or like if you're in a situation where you're the Bucks or the Saints and you got a 41-year-old guy who you know is going to be done soon. But Aaron yeah. Rodgers still got legs. Rodgers can and play for five more years. Yeah, as much as we hate on Aaron Rodgers because he is this conservative guy now and he's nowhere near what he once was, he's at least still a decent NFL quarterback. And people comparing him, it's, it's the most lazy comparison comparing this to Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Like, that's just the thing to do because it's the Green Bay Packers. Dude, Aaron Rodgers was a good quarterback prospect who kept falling down the board. Like, nobody expected him to go 24th. And the Packers were like, screw it. This guy's supposed. To, this guy's very good. Let's just draft him here. Jordan Love is a developmental QB prospect that people didn't really think were was good enough to be a first-round pick. And they traded up to draft him. I wouldn't say that. No, yeah, because now, because where did we want him to end up? Either in Cincinnati to, I mean, New Orleans to learn from Breeze and Peyton for two years, or New England, where he could potentially start from day one and have a great coaching staff. But what happens is he ends up on Green Bay with a quarterback who's not going to help him. Aaron Rodgers is known to be, yeah, he's a prick, a prick, probably not going to help Jordan Love. Matt LaFleur is the most overrated coach maybe in NFL history. What has he ever done? 
All he did was leave Tennessee, and their offense got better after they replaced the quarterback that LaFleur had. So how is he going to teach Jordan Love to be better? Awful. All around. Awful. I will say this. If there's one bright spot in the Jordan Love draft, it's that we have been critical of Aaron Rodgers of being too conservative, right? I think Aaron Rodgers has been R-E-L-A-Xing a little too much. This is going to light a fire under him. And to throw spend, to who? I mean, yo, he still has Devontae Adams. They still have an, a, a good offensive line. They, they just, I know you guys are not fans and you guys are going to laugh at me when I say this, but they just signed Devin Funches. Come on. They still have Geronimo Allison who, he really just and, and MVS who, you know, it's only their third years. The bottom line is this will light a fire under Aaron Rodgers. This will kind of Geronimo Allison's on the lines, guys. Tim. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're, right. Yeah. you're right. You're you don't right. light bad. a fire under Aaron Rodgers and then get him no help. If you're going to take a quarterback in the first round and say, yeah, Aaron, time for you to step up, you don't draft a running back and a fullback in the second and third rounds when you already have... Your running back position is literally your best position on the entire team. I mean, you, you, Aaron Rodgers and Jamal Williams I'm is your right spot on the team. I'm not arguing that, bro. I'm not, I'm not arguing that. So, like, it's just mind-boggling to me. And this was supposed to be, not even supposed to be, this they, is one of the deepest wide receiver classes we've seen in recent memory. So many wide receivers in this class. People Like, people think Brian Edwards is going to be a stud, and he fell to the fifth round, because that's just how the wide receiver class is this year. There's so many possible stars. And think about how A.J. Dillon's going to get on the field. Every snap he takes away from Aaron Jones, who we know is a great running back, makes the team worse. The efficiency they drafted a down. worse team in the second round. I mean, like I said, we saved the worst for last. I cannot defend these picks. Uh, I tweeted, like, Packers going super contrarian and drafting only strengths. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, and they want to become a more run-oriented team. Like, that's what they're doing by drafting A.J. Dillon and whoever the tight end's name is supposed to be Kyle Juszczyk. That, that's Good their boy. plan. To just continue to be a, a more run-oriented team in a in a league that continues to go the opposite way. And it just... I don't get it. Well, like we said, we saved the worst for last. Uh, that was a good episode, guys. I had a lot of fun. Um, good old NFL draft, us, baby. If you could find us, we're going to have two episodes this week. Although, is it, this episode's going to go out today, right? So, does Correct. Sunday... Is, yeah. How do you guys feel? Is Sunday the beginning of the week or the end of the week? Technically the beginning, but I consider it the end. The end, yeah. Because it's the be- I consider it the end too. It's my the end of the can, work week. It's the beginning. My wife of the considers calendar it the beginning. Week. Like my wife, she she keeps track of her runs on on the calendar, and she starts on Sundays. Me, I, I end mean, the week. I mean, it's the beginning of the calendar week, the last day of the work week. That's how I look it, at it. It is interesting. It's yeah. an interesting debate. Uh, anyway, if you want to hear us debate about more football players, you could see us all at brotofantasy.com. That is where to find us. Um, Jason Moore coming on on Thursday. Make sure you don't miss that. Make sure you don't miss that. Jason, where can they find you on Twitter? At brotoff Jason. At uh, brotoff Michael, Mike. say that a little slower. At brotoff Mike. There you go. And you can find me at brotoff Tim. See what we did there? And you can find us all at brotofantasy.com. Thank you so much for listening. Um, shout out to the patrons. We're going to announce our Patreon winner of the free Bob Lung Consistency Guide very soon. And um, that is all for us. This is a long episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, no one else is dropping episodes on Sunday. What? What? See you Thursday. Peace. Later. Later.